how could we create an online booking platform that would champion this connection to nature, but at the same time be an income bolster, if that is a word, income bolster, uh, for, for the farming community. Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Tim Southwell, thank you. Thank you for being on the show, man. Hey, Eric. Uh, really pleased to be here with you today. Excited to get going. Yeah. So uh, a little bit of background of how we connected here. Both uh, California refugees now living in Montana, right? Connected over LinkedIn. And, you know, I got to know a little bit about you from your profile and the business I was reading. But then when I had the opportunity to connect with you over phone call, I was just, man, just, I guess, overwhelmed, maybe a strong word, but just your the passion and, you know, all these were, these are buzzwords for many people, but for you, it's so true. Like you're really bringing in your yeah. values into your business and the passion you have for it is undeniable. And I'm really excited to have you on the show and, and help promote what you're doing. So, um, yeah, I, I already appreciate the time. So I, where I like to start, Tim, is just, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your, your backstory as an entrepreneur and how you got to what you're doing now and the multiple businesses that you have. Happy to do that, Eric. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. You know, I've never really looked at my early life in my early 20s getting out of college at University of Houston and, and seen it as choreographed. I always was more of a free spirit and, and, and just flowed from place to place. Got married, had a job opportunity in San Francisco and, and took that. And I'd always been in the, the health and wealth uh, industry from a standpoint of interest with regards to gym visits, uh, adult men sports leagues. And that really was my life while, while working away at a job that maybe I didn't really care that much about, but it afforded me opportunity uh, to live in San Francisco and to travel um, alongside my, my wife, who's been with me now uh, for 23 years. And <laughs> over that time, I think I've just allowed the trade winds to, to somewhat dictate where I've gone. I've never thought of myself as an entrepreneur. And honestly, Eric, I don't really see that um, accolade being appropriate to me today. And we, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And, and you'll see possibly why. But I was working a long hour job in San Francisco. My wife was the same. Uh, we were focused on uh, earning, um, building our nest egg, um, traveling. At the same time, I think we were at each other's throats. We were traveling, working a lot, just the typical uh, stress epidemic that you see even still today in the big city lifestyle. And, 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 and we needed to operate. We needed a vacation. And, and we traveled to the mountains of Montana uh, off of a whim uh, back in 98. And what a reset that was. I believe a connection to the land and Nature is something that is innately a part of us that we have probably forgotten generationally these last few generations. And to connect with it, to see how other people lived in harmony at, a, dare I say, a slower pace was intoxicating. Mm. Upon our return back to San Francisco after a 10-day vacation, we, we, were connect, we reconnected as soulmates. We, we saw maybe a higher purpose, and we made a decision six months later to drop our corporate America lives and move to Montana without much of an idea of what we were going to do. And it's only, I think, and, and you could probably uh, relate to this. It's only when you're faced with, okay, now what am I going to do? Do the entrepreneurial <laughs> um, juices start flowing? And yeah. 
that unlocked something new in me that I had I'd never really known existed. Um, I again, schooling had come easy, friends had come easy, participating in in outside interests was always a joy. Um, and now here I was in Montana. Okay, what are we going to do? Um, so reading the landscape, reading the market, what's going on? And in Montana, you need to be uh, you need to be spirited in finding something to do because it's a hard place to make a living. It's a beautiful place, but the industries aren't strong there. And so I took it upon myself looking around that I went ahead and got my property management license, knew nothing about property management, got my real estate license because we saw year over year people were moving in and I immediately delved into that industry. And um, this will be a reoccurring theme uh, today, Eric, is is positioning yourself around really bright people. It, it certainly lifts you up. And I got, um, I aligned myself with a real estate broker who taught me the industry, um, took me under his wing, and I got into that for a number of years. And that allowed me to continue my interests in hiking, getting out and doing exercise and physical activity in the wild. At the same time, still pursuing my health and wellness uh, fix at the same time, lifting weights, cardio work, et cetera. And, and as I got into property management, as I got into real estate, it allowed me to see the landscape differently, continuing to read opportunities. And it wasn't in 2002 that our, the, the neighborhood exercise facility that we used to go, we used to drive an hour to each way to go to and being in Montana people will relate to this whether you're going to the grocery store the post office or to the exercise facility everything's an hour away but uh, it burnt down and when it burnt down I didn't have a place to go and that is another thing that I've learned from an entrepreneurial uh, uptick is you know what what can satisfy your need you know instead of me being one to go out and invent things I'm always looking at how, how's life treating me what what am I missing and as soon as my gym burnt down I was like, wow, I, I need to build, I need to create a new business here. And so, you know, went to work, business plans and doing some background research. And within a year, I had built a new uh, 6,000 square foot exercise facility in a small town, but complete with all the bells and whistles you'd expect. And it satisfied, continued to satisfy my, my urge to be in health and wellness. At the same time, it was feeding this new entrepreneurial, dare I say, buzz, this, this appetite that I had. Now, at the same time, family started coming along. Sarah and I were settling down. Things were good. Uh, we had our first child 14 years ago. And the gym business is not rocket science. It's, uh, you know, in Montana, people love being outdoors. And they're usually outdoors from March to November. But after that, they come into the gym. And you understand your, your marketing calendar. You understand uh, where you're putting money into the business, where you're saving things based on membership flows and volumes. Uh, and that got stale for me, I'll be honest with you. After three years, there wasn't a challenge anymore. It wasn't interest. Our second son had come along by that time. And we started thinking about where do we want to go from here? How do we position ourselves to satisfy our, our, our business interests? And how do we plan now for a family? And what's the best for our, our children in that dynamic? And we decided to drop our practices in Montana and move the family closer to other family in Kansas. And this was a sensible move for us. You, you, you know, you can't raise your children in the wilds of Montana. They need to be in structure and they need to be in a private school in a, in a, in an industrious uh, metropolis surrounded by business and opportunity and family. And well, I say that facetiously because after three years, we realized that our hearts were very much in Montana and I'm going to cut out what we did in Kansas city because the entrepreneurial blood started flowing again of saying, okay, we are going back to Montana. We're bringing the children. What can we do to set a framework for success, both in our, our business interests as adults, our business interests, but at the same time, satiate this new family dynamic that was, we were growing and we had, you know, obviously had no experience with that, uh, like every new parent. And so we knew we wanted to have a piece of ground. We knew we wanted to have a farm. And the reason for that, Eric, was much in line with health and wellness. My oldest son at three, while in Kansas, was diagnosed under the autism spectrum. And that charged us in a new direction to discover more about that, to learn 
how we might assist with his situation. And we knew we exercised, we knew we strength trained, but is that truly healthy? How do we look at nutrition? How do we look at um, our spiritual and mental makeup? And we dove into that. And in making a commitment to organics and gluten-free and dairy-free in the conjunction with moving to Montana, we're like, you know what? We're going to buy a piece of ground. We're going to grow what we can grow. And we're going to share this with the community. And that, that was our next entrepreneurial endeavor. Uh, ABC Acres was born. ABC for my three boys, Atticus, Bodie, and Caspian. But cool. at the same time, we wanted to be an educational permaculture farmstead that taught the ABCs and one, two, threes of a regenerative ag approach to having a productive agricultural operation while stewarding the land, building healthy biological activity in the soil and creating healthy food for the dinner plate. And so that started what I considered my fourth child at the time, ABC Acres. And that that was roughly 2012 when we started that. And that was a lot of hard work. <laughs> and it still remains today. People say, well, you've done well for yourself in corporate America. And, you know, some people would say, okay, let's go buy the, uh, the lake house and go fishing every day. No, you know, top of the list is not become a farmer in Montana, but that's exactly what we did. <laughs> and I have to credit my father um, for just the fact that I have a heads down mentality to, uh, being active and being productive. And that will be with me uh, for the long term, all the way out. And so rounding this out, we dove in in 2012 into a, into a homestead focus of raising livestock, um, hogs and cattle and poultry, and growing foods on the farm. Uh, an 80 acre piece of ground that we then also visited local farms to get supplementary organic items to bolster the health um, of the family, uh, while the idea of raising three boys on the farm and teaching them about the land and our connection to nature and how we can steward it and, and honestly use that as a, uh, a launch pad for educating them to all of life's soon to uh, experience stimuli that they will, will get uh, over their lifetimes. And, and this was very rewarding, but it wasn't very profitable. <laughs> um, about year three, 2015, we had people now asking us for food product, and we were selling pork and beef, um, but to the tune of maybe, just maybe covering costs. And it wasn't until 2016 where I had a home on the property that became available. And what are we going to do with this empty home? Well, why don't we rent it out to vacationers and call it farm stays? We'll see what that looks like. And so 2016, we introduced our first guests onto the property. And Eric, I wish you could have seen it. And if you haven't experienced it, I, I do encourage you to uh, pursue a farm stay. But it is, a, it is an amazing, wondrous experience to see people such as myself of 20 years ago that are, dare I say, beating their heads uh, against the desk in Metropolis, USA, uh, on high set levels of stress that are connected to their technologies that aren't even connected to their spouse or children hmm. to come to the farm to take a big sigh of relief and yet understand somehow that they're connected to that land that it's just been lost as children. They all ran around barefoot in the grass. Um, they all chased snakes and caught turtles for the most part. And it, I think it comes back in a wave when they're first on the farm because there are food systems and flower gardens and animal systems and a buzz of activity literally with honeybee hives. And it is a, it's a cornucopia of life at your, at your feet. And I saw parents and they, they told me how they had conversations with their children at the dinner table for the first time in years because they're usually on their handheld devices. Um, husband and wives drinking a, a glass of wine on the deck, watching the deer in the pasture. Sounds simple. People in Montana probably take that, dare I say, for granted. But for folks coming out here, I got to see that. And I saw that energy and the twinkle in their eye. And at the same time, from the entrepreneurial standpoint, I saw money in my pocket. <laughs> and 
we did that in the, for six months in 2016. In 2017 was our first full year. And we had just moved into our new home on the farm. And now I had two rental units. And all of a sudden, my farm from struggling to sell pork and beef, because again, we're an agricultural community, so there's a lot out there. And, and I respect all the people that do it. It's their right and I applaud it. But all of a sudden, with two rental units, we saw just over $80,000 in revenue to the farm, which was just a game changer from a farm model. Uh, pan forward three years, and now you know, we're at one and a quarter, one thirty a year based on honing our, our craft. But this all culminates, Eric, with the creation of a brand new business that the entrepreneurial blood has steered me towards. And in 2017, a year and a half after ABC Acres was in the farm state business, I did an audit of the business. How did we do? Why are we doing well? What do we need to improve on? How are we situated in the online arena with regards to representation? And that's when the light bulb went on. You could not find me on the competitive online booking platforms. I wasn't there. I wasn't represented. The concept of farm stays didn't exist. Searches for anywhere USA, or, or dare I say Hamilton, Montana, where we're situated, didn't bring me up a number one. And I'll be honest with you, I was upset with that because I had five-star ratings. I was a number one host. Why wasn't my story being told? How many other farmers out there like me have a fantastic nature connect, humanistic connection that we're offering that's not having their story told, that's lost in the weeds of the online platforms? And it was then that this light bulb went on. This, this idea wasn't cooked up on the 52nd floor of a high rise in Manhattan. It was harvested, literally cultivated out of the fields of ABC Acres. And in October, November, I had an idea of what if we created a niche online booking platform centering on, focusing on a deep, immersive nature connection that could put the seeking, yearning guest in contact with this steward, this the, the ladies and gentlemen that care for the land, that can tell you the history of the area and how they are stewarding it or betting it for a healthier tomorrow. It was a light bulb moment. And in January of 2018, the concept Beyond Yonder, and now you can go to yonder.com, was alive and well. 2018, I was uh, introduced to a group of very talented individuals. We spent the year doing in-depth research to understand the domestic and international markets, how we could position ourselves as a specialty online platform focusing specifically on that Nature Connect. And in December of 18, the business was greenlit. In 2019, we worked on building the platform, developing a, ba a basis for what we call stewards. So on normal platforms, you'll see them as hosts. We're partnering with stewards with the men and women that are really caring and cultivating their land intimately connected with it and so our stewards we started to build up a, a basis for for a population on the on the continental united states as well as hawaii and in five months ago in the spring of 2020 we launched and so yonder.com went live in march of 2020 focusing specifically on immersive nature connect experiences so that you know when you go to that rental at that farm at that ranch at that vineyard log house in the woods beachfront property when you open up that door and you step outside you are in nature it is upfront and personal and that launched in march and i can say five months down the road we are month over month our steward uptick has been growing our revenue month after month is increasing um, we are very pleased with where we are today, but we have a lot of work ahead of us. Um, and so that is where I find myself today as chairman and founder of the company, working hand in hand as I can with management and the rest of the um, Yonder family to help position us uh, to succeed. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak uh, to it today on, on your show.
That's fantastic, Tim. And I, uh, you know, a couple things that I want to kind of go back and, and pull on a little bit, but first of all, I can't help pull parallels between our journeys. I mean, I was in corporate America in San Francisco. Uh, my gateway drug into entrepreneurship was gym ownership, which right <laughs> isn't, you know, necessarily rocket scientists, rocket science, but it, it is work. And, uh, yeah, it's just a great story. And I'm so, I guess, you know, one of the places I, I would love to dig into is when, you know, when you started ABC farms, uh, it doesn't sound like you knew a whole lot about farming, raising livestock. Tell us about that learning curve. What was that like? Well, that's a great question, Eric. So I've always had a passion for the outdoors and by design, I'm, I'm very, I can be very anal and rigid. And so it was 2011. We were in Kansas city. I had my garden production garden in the front yard because that's where the sun did the exposure and where I could get the best production. And I had all my tomatoes in a row, all my corn in a row, and uh, a gentleman that I had hired to care for my lawn when I was out of town one day said, have you ever heard of permaculture? And no, I had not permaculture, even though the term was coined in the 70s by Bill Mollison out of Australia. Here we were 2011, and I'd never heard of it, even with the internet for the last 20 years plus. And he told me a little bit about permaculture. This is a, this is a designed agriculture system that mimics um, the rhythms of a natural ecosystem through st stability, uh, res resilience, and diversity. And so my monoculture rose that I'm battling potato beetles and tomato caterpillars every year it is the antithesis to what a permaculture design would be. So I had to learn about this. And for anybody out there, when you take a permaculture design course, it's a 12-week course normally, two to three hours a week for 12 mm -hmm. weeks plus uh, site uh, visits your mind is blown in understanding how mother nature, how this planet is designed to work in harmony, free and clear of man's meddling. And if you can step back out of the way, it can be very productive. And so my eyes were open to this. And all of a sudden in 2012, coming back to Montana, I'm going to have a permaculture farm. And so I got my permaculture design certification. I traveled two years straight to San Diego where they had, where uh, Diego Footer uh, put together a permaculture design conference for three years straight. I made the first two years going across the country, listening to what I consider the pioneers, Joel Salatin, Gabe Brown, Jeff Lawton, um, some of these brilliant multi-decade immersed farmers in a regenerative ag approach and I was sold and so it was conferences it was reading it was YouTube videos yeah I had a green thumb in the garden but from farming no idea Eric and now I have handled baby calves castrated hogs butchered poultry and done many other things under the sun that I never thought I would do and I can tell you anybody can do it you just have to put in the time and understand what you're getting into. <laughs> Great mess. I mean, you, you, I think a lot of people, um, maybe it's just me, but I, I don't think I'm that different than most people. When, when you start thinking about this stuff, like some of those things you mentioned, like castrating a hog, right? They're like, oh man, yeah. that must be really hard the first time, right? Um, yeah. Is, is it as hard as you maybe thought it was going to be to do some of these things that I guess you would call like getting your hands dirty, right? Or Yeah, I don't know if hard is the word I would use. There's this, um, I don't know if it's a moral question or it's just, you know, I'm a softie at heart. I mean, I, 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 I love all living things. I'm the one that lets the house fly out of the house rather than smack it against the wall. So, um, you know, I realize that I cannot turn down a uh, – a lovely pre prepared beef fajitas or pork carnitas or um, even my eggs in the morning. Uh, so I realized that for me to live the way I live my, my life, that life and death is a part of that process. It, it doesn't make me feel any better when it's, it's um, kill day. Should I be so blunt? Um, it is a part in a permaculture regenerative agriculture design my animals live life in a in a very abundant a very wholesome manner i mean they move to new pasture every single day 
They are in rich polyculture pastures of diverse plantings. They are with their herds. And I've heard arguments that, you know, the death of any animal can never be seen as humane. But when an animal is grazing and then it's lights out in one second and they don't know anything else other than that, it's as humane as I can make it. And that's, that's what I implement. And and I can justify it that way because I know of the quality food that is going on my table to ensure healthy, nutritious um, uh, sustenance for my family that will ward off chronic disease and expense and pain in the future. Um, so it all to me is a cyclical pattern that we are a part of in being a part of nature. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting mindset for people to get over. And you know, I agree. I mean, as I as I move on in my life journey too, like I, I found someone who's local here in Whitefish who, um, you know, we, we got in touch over, you know, fitness. Right. And then we became friends and now he's offered to, to teach me how to hunt. And, you know, my wife and I have had numerous conversations about, Hey, you know, this is something I really want to do. I think it's one of the most I just think it checks all the boxes from a moral standpoint and people will disagree with that, but they don't truly understand like, Hey, everything that you do, the car you drive to the computer, you're like, things die for this. Right. And it's better to kind of get into the process and understand that, um, you know, you are, you are part of the process, whether you like it or not, this is, this is the way the world goes. You're going to die someday. Right. Uh, every, that's another thing. It's a whole nother topic. People don't seem to grasp that we're all going to die someday. So I think it's great. I commend it. And I think most people, um, you know, there's just that, I think there's that, like, I look at myself, like I, when I think about hunting, right. My first thought is, you know, I don't think I'll have a problem, you know, shooting or killing an elk, but the processing of it, I know I just got to right. get through that once. Right. And I think that's, I don't think I'm abnormal <laughs> that's in right. that process. I think a lot of people have a little bit of fear. No, I don't, I don't think I don't, you know, I don't know too many people that dare I say, enjoy it. Uh, you yeah. know, I mean, that are, they're smiling as they go. Um, they take pride in in craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. They take pride in, um, in a good kill and in a really well done dressing. Um, I personally am not a hunter. I've got beef and pork in the yard. So, um, yeah. you know, I, I'll just enjoy them coming through the property. Um, the reality is, whether you like it or not, we made a decision uh, uh, eons ago to be a collaborative part with nature. And in, in doing so, uh, we've chased off the predators. And so without the sportsmen of the world, and you just you, – you, ensure a level of health within the, the natural ecosystem. So um, I applaud everybody's right to pursue that. Awesome. Let's talk about this yonder in the market there for a bit. And you mentioned, and one of the first things before you even brought up is I, I, I want to hear some of the analysis you've done on both the domestic and international market for this. What do you know about the market? What can you share with us about this, this new model? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. I, I think I'd just like to, if I could just step back a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, well, yonder, uh, obviously, when I saw the opportunity uh, that we were underserved and our story wasn't uh, being told, it was, it, was, it, was, it was wonderful from that standpoint. But what I thought and I still think and I'm driving towards is, is the, the magic that it can not only bring the guest, but the financial wherewithal that it can bring the local farmer. And we as a society... I hope we continue to support our local farmers uh, through our farmers markets and through farm stay and farm visits because most farmers who give their life to stewarding the land and staying up till two in the morning, harvesting strawberries so they can go to the market on Saturday to sell them sadly don't make a great income if at all. And I believe strongly that by creating yonder as a catalyst, to bring guest and farmer together, the two in concert can learn and appreciate what good food does, not only for the body, but how it builds health, a a health web throughout the entire uh, global environment. But at the same time, those monies that you're staying on that farm go into that farmer's pocket. And that allows them to continue to put in more strawberry fields or to continue, you know, build their, rotationally grazed livestock herd. So 
for me, it was more about at the, at the initial start of how could we create an online booking platform that would champion this connection to nature, but at the same time be an income bolster, if that is a word, income bolster uh, for, for the farming community. And again, when I say farming, I am speaking uh, rancher and vintner as well. Um, and I believe there's real teeth to that and we're, and we're seeing that. So I'm excited. You know, as far as the different markets, the domestic market is very strong and again, very underserved. Again, you, you wouldn't know that based, or you would know that based on the fact that it was not represented. There are many different organizations here in the United States uh, that represent farms, ranches, vineyards, um, but they're not talking amongst themselves. Hmm. They, they, in my opinion, needed, if, if so desired, an all-encompassing umbrella to tell their story. And that's what Yonder is. Yonder is the opportunity to facilitate a relationship um, with these outfits to uh, comfortably and in, in uh, partnership, good taste, to proclaim the story of, of their memberships um, and, and drive traffic to, to their destinations. Um, and the same exists on the international uh, level. And I, I, I dare say, I don't want to bore you too much with numbers, but I will tell you the domestic market for nature-based um, properties, uh, stewards, is very rich um, in number and uh, very palatable in uh, revenue potential. Um, and the income, uh, excuse me, and the international markets um, are even stronger simply for the fact that farm stays, that's a known term over there. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, parts like that, farm stays have been a thing for decades. And um, agritourism is a known term over there. And so we're very excited. We have um, advisors um, on staff here in the United States that are uh, representative in the uh, ranching, uh, farming, uh, vintner community. Uh, We also have advisors currently on the ground in South Africa, uh, England, Ireland, uh, Italy, uh, Australia, that are uh, mining uh, relationships and spreading the uh, the yonder uh, brand ethos of connecting people to nature as this antidote to uh, really a global stress uh, epidemic, which couldn't be more poignant in in these times, could it, Eric? No, man. It's uh, I have a conversation every single day with different people about this. Is just things are weird, man. Things are just weird right now, and you know I. So much, in my opinion, is the is attributed to our connection to media of all kinds, social media, major news outlets, how we communicate with each other, um, vocal minorities. It's just uh, it's it's a strange time, and uh, I think getting out. I mean, I spent uh, just recently. Today's recording is the 29th of July in 2020, and you know, my wife and I spent nine nine days in our van going all around uh, Montana and Western Wyoming, and just it was beautiful. Seeing things was amazing, and you know, feeling that connection again, the simplicity of life. Uh, you know, parked somewhere in you know some dispersed camping spot, right, where no one gets us, <laughs> uh, was amazing. But you know, the biggest benefit of it was just not having even the opportunity to be on my cell or on my computer. There was just no option. And it was so relaxing, man. I, uh, we are, you know, busier than we normally would as far as activity goes, you know, cause we have our trackers and all that. But I think we both lost, you know, a significant amount of fat because we just weren't stressed and we we're active mm-hmm. and we we're happy. And, you know, we actually got up earlier than we normally would just because why not? Right. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it seems like such a fitting and, obvious answer to a lot of the ails that that plague our societies today it's it it really checks all the boxes i I love it man i really do um yeah i would agree with that and certainly i think we as a collective global citizenry have seen that um you know especially up towards the end of 19 and, and the first quarter of 20 when the when the the idea of coronavirus was setting in and quarantines were initiated and people were in their homes, you all of a sudden heard about no smog or air pollution in Shanghai or clean water in Venice um, and birds returning. And all of a sudden these, 
these, uh, uh, what do you call them, um, animals that were uh, considered either extinct or threatened, all of a sudden they're on live feed cameras. And so this, I think, I believe it enhanced a, a global appreciation for for the, the power of nature um, to be a part of our day-to-day lives. And I think, and I like to think, and it certainly worked for my wife, Sarah and I during the quarantine, it gave us pause because we had to, mm-hmm. to step back, be intimately with family and, and have open discussion about what's going on and what's important. And I think a lot of families across America and across the globe spoke to that very thing. And seeing the magic of nature uh, through the news, I think wove in really well there. And I think it sparked that innate connection to the land and to agriculture that we, again, we have lost since the early 1900s when we moved from the farms into the cities. And, and, and I'll be honest with you, prior to the pandemic, coming up through 19 and early, early 2020, we, we at Yonder, I mean, we, we already saw that there was a, a global stress epidemic at, at, at play. I mean, our, our connection to, to technology, dare I say, and sadly, uh, teenage suicides up based a lot on social media and how they're portrayed and the, uh, the concerns with climate change and traffic and long hours at work. And we're thinking, my goodness, the, you know, the brand of yonder and the connection to nature, what a wonderful um, uh, resolution to that. And, and then to see the pandemic come forward in the quarantine and no one wants that. And, and what a miserable state to be in. And to your point, weird indeed is an understatement, uh, but it reinforced this need for us to step back, to look at simpler things, to connect to ourselves, to our loved ones, and to nature. And I couldn't be more pleased with what I have seen over the last four months post-quarantine because I'm seeing that here on the farm. Um, people coming to ABC Acres through the Yonder platform, they're, they're speaking to just that. And it is, it's just, it's palatable. And it, to me, it just reaffirms the point that we are innately a part of nature. We need to champion nature and we need to champion those that steward it. So it's very reaffirming. Yeah. Very cool. And then you add in the, the work from home movement, right. And the access now that people have, I mean, that's why you and I were talking about recording pre-recording that a lot of people are moving to Montana. A lot of people are moving, um, you know, to the wine country in California and you're getting out of all these areas and they're, they're finding that, Hey, my lifestyle is really important and you know, they're exploring that now, which I think is a really, really cool feature and side effect of what we're seeing too. Um, Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, it's funny. I think that fits right into entrepreneurialism in a way. I mean, you know, what the problem is that, you know, in, (laughs) in permaculture, the saying is the problem is the solution. And so you see this pandemic, you see the civil unrest and, you know, and your heart goes out to, to everyone in your immediate network and global network, and you look for resolution and growth and learning. And this is exactly what you speak to, an opportunity to what, what is most important? What am I able to do? How can I help my fellow man? And I think, you know, with regards to, you know, the remote work, uh, I think we're going to see the new work environment. I think the new schooling environment is in the, in the middle of a metamorphosis. And I think 2021 is going to be the, um, the chrysalis opening up to this beautiful butterfly as we, as we emerge into a, 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 just a new dynamic that is uh, more appreciative and aligned with our fellow man and the planet we call home. Yeah, I love it. I, I... I, I celebrate your optimistic attitude. <laughs> I really do. I think it's great. Well, you know, uh, it's funny. My wife it's, and I, I we, <laughs> yeah, and I, I get that. And, and, you know, if you're watching the mainstream media, then it's, it's even harder. Uh, yeah. You know, my wife and I were big believers and followers of Dr. Wayne Dyer, the power of intention. Hmm. You, and, and, you know, you start every day and um, you can stub as they do in the, in the book, in the movie, the secret, you can get out of bed, stub your foot and curse under your breath and then your day is miserable or you can stub your 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 toe laugh it off and know that today is going to be a great day and any challenge and i've learned this eric being on the farm there is no guaranteed 
hour by hour on what's going to roll out. The cattle get out, the pigs are out, the <laughs> irrigation's broken, you can't irrigate the pasture. You, you realize, and my motto on the farm is life's an experience. Yeah. When the cattle get out, it's miserable. But you got to say, awesome. This is an awesome experience that I get to take part in. And that's life. And I think if you understand that life is 360 degrees, full gamut, then it just it makes it easier to digest it and you can have a positive spin on it. So I have to be optimistic. I've got three little boys, 14, 11, and nine, and they're going to inherit the work that you and I, uh, the ground that we lay out in front of them. So uh, I am positive about it and uh, excited that, uh, you know, that Yonder and ABC Acres and, and, and your operations in place to, uh, to lay those tracks. Yeah, it's been a great time for entrepreneurs. I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, we run some mastermind groups and we get to work with a lot of different businesses and, uh, you know, in entrepreneurs by day are uncertain of what could happen. We don't have this, maybe, you know, this, this, this trade that, you know, everything's under control. We're securing our corporate jobs. Like we don't have that every day is uncertain. So when the whole planet become uncertain entrepreneurs are like yeah it's just another day and we get excited when consumer new needs change and shift because it gives us opportunity to come up with new solutions to problems and you know entrepreneurs by nature hate status quo because we're always looking for things to break if there aren't anything if there isn't anything to fix so it's uh it's it's been a really interesting time for entrepreneurs and and that actually brings up a, a good topic because as you're kind of a maybe i would classify not necessarily an intentional entrepreneur the way you got into things, you kind of, um, you know, fell forward into, uh, you know, the opportunities that you have mm -hmm. here from a personal standpoint, how have you dealt with, with entrepreneurship, any significant challenge that you've, you've felt along the way? You know, it's funny. You talk about these problems and the solutions in, in on the farm, we call it a farmage farmage. Oh, I can't even say it now. Farm engineering. So, you know, you see something that's broken, you know, you, you pick up the welder, you, you go to the, the chop saw and you, you know, you, you quickly make it. So you're, you're constantly juggling this, um, a, a reactive approach. Um, and so you're right, you know, I've never, I, and I let off this, I've never looked at myself as an entrepreneur sitting in the, the office with 20 uh, or say 200 post-it notes on the wall. Okay. What's going to work. I've always looked at it from a standpoint of what, what could improve my life. And if it can improve mine, then, you know, it more than likely can improve somebody else's. Um, from there, my biggest blessing has been to, uh, circle myself, uh, with with really bright individuals um and it, it started with uh me hiring a business mentor even before yonder was was born or even thought of i i went out and look i i, I can't do this all myself i'm gonna network and i'm going to i'm gonna reach out to somebody that um that i've heard good things about and uh, utilize his or her help in this case uh bill lee was his name and then um and then uh, through that he introduced me to uh the current management of yonder and and they've been brilliant in their uh business acumen uh the ability to ask questions so and to and to uh mine answers um and so from an entrepreneurial standpoint it's one thing to come up with the idea from my perspective but it's another to understand what that idea requires and how you can encirculate yourself with surround yourself with individuals that will um, chip away at the parts that you need. Yeah. Great advice. And, you know, so we look at yonder, uh, you're off to a great start, very positive signs for what's going on. Um, you know, you acknowledge as we always do, you know, as we're building businesses that still a long way to go. Um, what do you, what would you say is one of the more pressing needs that you have within the business of yonder right now? Yeah, I appreciate that. I really do. <clears throat> you know, we, we joke, we joke uh, occasionally um, within within the framework of the, the company um, at Yonder that we may you know we will be quote we will be in twenty years we'll be a case study at the Wharton School of Business um, for awesome. the fact that you know here this startup comes along and then ultimately the sky falls in twenty twenty with with a global pandemic and civil unrest and then the economy drops and travel and tourism is down 70% and there's quarantines and people can't go anywhere. And, um, 
And we have had an incredible ability to pivot. We, we have strategy. We know where we want to go, but we're constantly reading the market. And we have an innate ability not to be stuck in the mud and to read and pivot and go. So that's been our success that has gotten us to this point. Um, the, a need to me centers around continuing to get the word out about Yonder. We have, you know, for five months now, since our, our, our dawning, month over month over month, our steward numbers have gone up. <clears throat> month over month over month, our revenue and booking numbers have gone up. But we're still a, a small fish in a very big global pond. And so need arises with regards to just continuing to get the name out. And we're doing that multiple ways through... Uh, through a really creative uh, marketing approach, being out there in front of uh, social media and PR, we continue to get the words out, working through our advisory and paralleling um, different uh, nature-based organizations, both domestically and international, continuing to <clears throat> bestow our, our brand and, and how we are about a nature connect and immersive healing um, and health and wellness component. Um, that is our, our need. Um, and, and I think continuing forward, we'll be continuing to focus on, uh, as I mentioned earlier in our pre-chat, uh, you know, platform development. We've got a beautiful platform and it is, uh, it, it's flawless in its executables, but we have a really, uh, really interesting, intriguing list of user experience elements that we're, we are underway putting in and we'll be upgrading over the course of the next month, uh, six months into the new year. So when I think of need, <clears throat> I think of uh, those aspects. Um, and then if I dare say go any further, uh, currently Yonder is in a fundraise round and we are doing some creative things in the fundraise space. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is and paralleling even the beginning of Yonder was an opportunity to offer healing options for the, for the guests. But again, building the, the financial wherewithal of the steward, the landowner. We also wanted to take that to the potential investor. So in line with our fundraising needs, we set up what we, we like to think of as our friends and family. We, we decided to go with a crowdsourced funding campaign through WeFunder. And so people can go to wefunder.com and type in Yonder and we're there. And this is a really interesting, I've just learned over the last four months about crowdsource funding, but no longer do you have to be an accredited investor. And to be an accredited investor, you know, the definition is, you know, to have a, a, at least a million dollars of assets, um, not inclusive of your home. And, you know, most of America can't say that they're an accredited investor and they miss out at early stage opportunities. And this crowdsource funding is really unique. Um, that it allows people to get in early stage investment opportunities for as low as $100. Um, and I think about how American families, uh, we're, we're, we're consumers, we're materialistic in a way, sadly. Um, more people need to get on the farm. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? Um, but uh, when I think about how, how much people go through 100 bucks so quickly, the idea of going to, a, going to the Yonder WeFunder page, putting $100, $250, and just forget about it. And then champion Yonder, use Yonder, tell people about Yonder, and then in successes in the years to come, there'll be a nice return on investment. So needs, you know, we need to continue getting our name out there. Uh, we need to continue to improve, uh, improve and build on our product. And from a uh, financial investment arm, well, we, we would love to have people uh, visit WeFunder, check out Yonder, and, and, and join along for the ride. It's going to be a great rocket ride. Right on, man. Well. <laughs> Ooh, so much to take in there. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I feel uplifted from our conversation, both of them, actually, our initial one too. It's just, uh, I think you're a great spokesman for what's going on. You're, you're doing the work and um, your, your mission is undeniably good, right? There's nothing you can say that's, that's bad about what you're, what you're trying to accomplish. It's, it's just all good. Uh, Tim, where, yeah, where, where do that, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, man, for sure. Where, where do people get a hold of you if people want to reach you? What's the best way to do it? Well, I appreciate that, Eric. Um, and, and, yeah, and we don't take that lightly as far as a good, as a good message. Um, we went as far um, a few months ago to transition from a C-Corp uh, to a public benefits corp, um, mm, which cool. really puts the ethos on us walking a walk that we talk. And so um, no smoke and mirrors here. And, and I would be very happy to engage with, with anyone. First of all, obviously, Yonder 
uh, com is the platform. People can reach me uh, via email at tim at yonder.com. I'd be very happy to, uh, to engage them in, in interaction. And then really, if you want to get the nuts and the bolts of the company, how we're doing uh, updates and such, I would steer you towards uh, wefunder.com slash yonder. It's got all the information on the, the background of the company uh, and where we are through the first five months of operation. Right on. Uh, Tim, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been educational. It's been inspiring, all of those things. So uh, keep up the great work, man. We'll, we'll support you in any way we can. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks for the time and telling your story. Eric, it has been a pleasure. I'm, I'm glad we connected. And even though we may be a uh, you know, four-hour drive from each other that in Montana, that's neighbor terms. So uh, <laughs> know that the door is always open and uh, I'll get you to, uh, to move some cattle or uh, uh, feed the hogs or something. So uh, thank you very much for the time and, and look forward to uh, crossing paths before too long. Yeah, I'll definitely take it on that. Ladies and gentlemen, Tim Southwell, that's a wrap. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast, and you can expect a lot more from us.